This is part two on Second Thessalonians 3, 6 to 10. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know, and I want to come back to why he puts it like that, you yourselves know, not just you know, but you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you. So keep away from those who are walking in idleness because you're supposed to imitate us and we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. So we didn't act like these idle people who had become busybodies going from house to house, living off handouts because they refused the jobs that were available because they didn't think they needed to work because of the, evidently, closeness of the day of the Lord. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not burden any of you. It was not because we don't have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. So, Father, as we ponder Paul's role as an example of labor, not to be a burden, would you show us how in our lives to work so as not to be a burden? To others, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why these words? You yourselves know. And my suggestion is, he has in mind here, you've already become imitators. So clearly you know how you ought to imitate us. Remember chapter 1 of First Thessalonians? And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. You have already learned the lesson that apostles are not only teachers, they are models, they are examples. We carry in our lives, in our bodies, the way of Christ. Let's see some examples of that. 1 Corinthians 4.16, I urge you then, Paul says, be imitators of me. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Philippians 3.17, brothers, join in imitating me and fix your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Imitate imitators of us. Philippians 4.9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things that you've seen in me. So, this is built into the apostolic calling that they should be imitated. Now, 
let's not be troubled by this. You might think, wow, that that takes a lot of self-assurance to call people to copy your life. Well, actually, there's another way to look at it, doesn't it? It's not so much that you're arrogant and you think that you can measure up and everybody else should model their lives on yours. That's a real negative way to put it. A positive way to put it, I think the right way to put it, is to say, when the apostles are charged by the Lord Jesus to go out and teach and to model, they are providing a way to hold them accountable. In other words, we don't come to you just babbling away with words, living any old way we please. We come to you with teaching, and we put our lives on the line. If we don't live up to our teaching, don't pay any attention to us. We're hypocrites. That's the positive and weighty way to put imitation. And so here, Paul's point is that we were not idle. We're not asking you to do something that we didn't do. When we criticize your idleness, we would be criticizing ourselves if we had been idle. We weren't idle. What did we do? We didn't eat anyone's bread without paying for it. Imagine that. Somebody invites them over for dinner, and they absolutely will not take dinner. That could be really offensive, right? Unless they could explain to people how radical their commitment is not to put a stumbling block in the way of the gospel by being accused of mooching off other people in order to support themselves by religion. Godliness as a way of gain, Paul calls it elsewhere. Oh, how hesitant and resistant Paul was to giving any impression at all that he was living for money or food. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day, tent makers, that we might not, and there's the goal of love, call that love, right? I don't want to burden you. I don't want to come with a gospel that relieves burdens and wind up being a burden to any of you. I'm a burden lifter, (laughs) not a burden creator. So he wanted to live a kind of life that didn't add burdens, it lifted burdens in as much as he could by the gospel. And oh, what a great burden the gospel does lift. All of our guilt, all of our sin, all of our fear lifted. So he didn't want to add any burdens. So that was his goal. It was not because, now here he clarifies, they might think, well, Apostles don't have the right to uh, eat the fruit of their labors. Oh, yes, we do, Paul says. It was not because we don't have the right. Now, let's just stop there and go and see where he explains that. It's right here in 1 Corinthians. Is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? In other words, Other apostles are refraining from working for a living. They are living off of the uh, love offerings 
like my father did as an evangelist. He would go to churches and preach for two, three weeks there, and at the end, they would just take up an offering, and he lived on whatever they gave him. And that's what apostles were doing, and Paul and Barnabas were not. And and then he argues why they could. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of the fruit? Who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? In other words, it would be perfectly fitting for us to be given food to others when we shared the gospel with them. Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ, which back here is putting a a burden on you. So if he had he felt like if he put a burden on the saints in Thessalonica, that would be an obstacle in the way of the good news of the burden-lifting Christ. The Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel get their living by the gospel. He had the Lord's authority to live off of the food that his converts would offer him. Yes, he did. That's not wrong. It's not wrong for pastors to be paid. (laughs) I was paid by the church for 33 years. But every effort should be made to so live as a minister of the gospel that we never, ever look like we're in it for the money. The Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel get their living by the gospel, but I have made no use of any of these rights. So, back here. It's not because we do not have the right. He does have the right. All ministers of the gospel don't muzzle an ox while he's treading out the gain, Paul says. Grain. Don't muzzle an ox while he's treading out the grain. <laughs> Rather, pay, honor, and support elders who labor in preaching and teaching. But we wanted to give you an example in this particular situation to imitate. Now, what was it that he wanted them to imitate? What he wanted them to imitate was work so as not to be a burden. And that's what these folks were not doing, right? Keep away from any brother who's walking in idleness and he's becoming a busybody and he's mooching off of other people. He's not doing this. So Paul gave himself at serious expense to his own labor, his own health, his own sleeplessness in order to provide an example of not burdening people. And these people are burdening people by their laziness. Don't be like that, he said. 